Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I um before the show, you sent me a photo of a a, a new addition to your family. Oh yeah, I think we all seen that on Instagram. Yeah, we got we got a puppy. Uh, much to my so this is how it goes. I. You know, I had a dog growing up. I understood what work goes into it. Uh, I, the family, of course, always wanted a dog, uh, and and I kept saying no, 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 no. In a moment of weakness, I ga- I gave in, and we had the dog. And as predicted, I'm the one has to take care of it, and <laughs> and it's a pain in the rear end, and she pees and poops, and uh, and of course, the worst part of it is you end up getting attached to the dog, and then you're and then it's then you're host. Once you're attached, you're done. I know it's terrible. The stupid little dog is running my life. It's terrible. There you go. So hopefully no barking during the podcast. But we, we'll I, I, she was she was here last week and, and did okay, and she's she's kind of knocked out. So this is this is uh, the the new season's garbage truck song that we have. We can't <laughs> hear the garbage truck. We now have a puppy instead. Well, it is getting it is starting to get warmer here, and I had to close all the windows because uh, what a great thing about this my new office is I have not just multiple windows, but they're on different walls so that you can get kind of a breeze going through. Uh-huh. But there, there is some, sounds like some, some lawn cutting or some lawn mowing going on. And so the, the, the windows are closed. It's a little toasty, but, uh, but we are here. We are powering through. Our listeners demand nothing less. Indeed. Our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent as they do every week. Whether you like to build a personal blog, a business site, or both, creating your website on WordPress.com helps others find you, remember you, and connect with you. You don't need experience. They guide you through the process from start to finish and take care of the technical side to get your site up and running. Their customer support team is made up of WordPress experts. And when are they available, James? 24 by 7, Ben. I, I think you are anticipating that one. That's good. <laughs> got, got Not like last that. week. Yep. Plans start at just $4 per month, and all plans include a custom domain name for the life of the plan. So go to WordPress.com slash exponent to get 15% off your website today. That's WordPress.com slash exponent. Our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent. I feel like now I'm going to treat it like a little exam. You're going to test me on whether I remember what comes next from last week. Yeah, did you know that they guide you through the process from start to finish? <laughs> I'm going to have to make note of that You're now. You're going to have to remember different catchphrases. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Very good. So this week was it's been a it's been a busy week uh, an IP, uh busy IPO week first there was Dropbox uh, uh which was late last week and I wrote about it on Monday and then later this week was Spotify which we, we definitely mm. got a lot of questions about so I I I strongly suspect we will talk about Spotify soon but this is this is Dropbox week I actually ended up writing about them multiple times I wrote about them on on Monday kind of looking at their sort of top end potential uh Tuesday and the daily update was really about their costs uh their their their, their the improvements they made in their in their cost structure and whether that's sustainable going forward, and kind of added an extra note uh, yesterday, uh, just just about you know looking back at at Dropbox and why they've always been a, co- a company that's been a little bit frustrating to me, and it, I said that I've written about from the beginning of Techery and some of the missteps they might have made along the way. But I think we'll probably have an opportunity to get into all those today. Totally, I, totally. So I think we should start out, though. Let's start out on the sort of sunny side. And I think you saw a lot of, you know, every time a, a tech company's S1 comes out, you get various people posting their their analysis of it. And a lot of them were very rosy and understandably so. I think the picture that Dropbox painted with their S1 was a very positive one. And there certainly are lots of things to like about their model. Uh, indeed. I mean, I remember the first time I saw this product way, way, way back when, and it's an absolute re- revelation, like the extent to which they managed to make cloud storage transparent and easy across all your devices. I was just I was blown away by it. 
Yeah, I I was uh, same here. I mean, I I usually don't jump into new products, but I would. I mean, it was such a perfect product kind of kind of from day one. It was super reliable and worked really well, really from the beginning. That not only did I put all my personal stuff on there, but I actually did, did this little project for you know as anti wild work for English schools. Like, and we wanted to one of the things that's working on was taking all these they had these big whiteboards and really write out sentences that kids would drill on, and I was putting them all onto Keynote, and then basically wanted to sync them to multiple classrooms and to multiple branches across multiple classrooms. Mm-hmm. And the easiest thing to do was I just wrote a little Apple script that basically there's one folder you worked on. There's a central computer. Every night it would copy everything. It would copy everything that folder to the Dropbox folder. Dropbox would take care of syncing it across to all the various computers. And there's Apple scripts and all the client computers that was that mm. put it back into the teacher, sort of the teacher folder. So this way, and it ended up being, so it was a one-way street. So you couldn't, if you change stuff on the teacher side, it would be over it every day. I mean, this is, there's way better ways to do this, I'm sure. But I was mm. like, it, it, it was so easy and it was so manageable because the key thing is, is that I, I left and no one at these schools had really any computer competence at all. And guess what? It's 10 years later and that it's still running today. Oh, wow. Uh, That's I, impressive. I, I mean, I went in and like the Dropbox has been updated, but everything like the core, it still works. It's been, it's literally been 10 years. That's, I think, been, you know, the great thing about Dropbox is it's been really great and well day one. <laughs> and, you know, I've tried all the other ones and just Dropbox always works better. It always syncs right away instantly. And there it is. I mean, it, it was particularly a revelation for me because I tried a little bit of, was it Mac.com or would, had they transitioned to iCloud or MobileMe or whatever Apple was calling it at the time? And compared to, compared to this, a uh, Dropbox, well, to that, Dropbox was a revelation. And I remember, so I might have told this story way, way, way back when on the podcast, but I actually interviewed for my summer internship with Apple's product marketing team. And I was interviewing with, um, the, the, the individual who was a product marketer on iCloud or mobile me. And I was like, made a recommendation that, you know, like buy Dropbox, like it is so much better than what you guys are doing. And I remember him being a little taken aback and going a little quiet. And I was like, oh, maybe he didn't like hearing that. And then later on, it emerged that Steve Jobs had been sniffing around trying to convince Drew Houston to to sell. <laughs> yeah, that time is about right. I think it was it was very early on that that Apple was definitely clued in. And I believe that Drew Houston, the, the Dropbox founder and CEO, said that Apple did make an offer, that, which he turned down. And obviously, you know, get, once this IPO goes down whatever money goes down at uh it, it will have proved proven to be the correct decision despite the fact uh jobs sort of uh famous famous diss that dropbox was a a feature and not a product uh, he uh he had a particular knack for uh saying things that might get inside pe- under people's skin in terms of describing it um uh you're right though like history bears out houston's decision not to sell at the time Right. I mean, no matter how the company goes at this point, right? I mean, he's going to, uh, he, he personally and, and all the Dropbox investors are going to be, are going to have been better off for having turned it down. And, and I think the, um, the, the, the challenge for Dropbox though, or the, I think the question for Dropbox is what we just described is really the initial product was so good. It, mm. it, it like, it served the needs so perfectly and did it so well and got so much uptake for that reason. And, and is that it really achieved, we talked, you know, product market fit very, very early. And, th- the company it reminds me of is Twitter, actually, where Twitter came out to this sort of short form messaging service. And that's kind of what Twitter is today, right? I mean, obviously, it has evolved. There's been app mentions and, and replies, and but a lot of that stuff in threads, all that was was brought about by Twitter's user base, you know, e- even then, and then the Twitter, the company would kind of enact it. And, the, you know, I've 
remarked that I think that was a challenge for Twitter, the business, is because mm. the initial product was so good that they sort of had the the luxury, at least in the short term, where they could have all the famous sort of backroom drama and, and who's in charge and fighting back and forth. And all the while, the actual business isn't being built and isn't mm-hmm. being developed. And, you know, I think we both feel that Twitter is just a it's a fine enough company and they made a profit next last quarter, like an actual real profit. Uh, congratulations. Wow. <laughs> but but it's not nearly the sort of world changing force i mean it's kind of funny to say it is a world changing Mm, force it is like the product but like from a business perspective and where it fits in sort of the broader tech ecosystem like i think twitter like twitter had the opportunity to be basically Mm. a privately owned protocol that Mm -hmm. a a huge amount of the internet could have run on top of yeah like like being a this sort of messaging service that could under underlie all kinds of things and the fact that they dilly dallied for so long by virtue of the fact that they didn't feel the pain and the pressure to find that fit, it actually was great in the short term, but really hurt them in the long run. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing compounding the problem for Dropbox is that uh, I remember listening to Houston talk about the genesis of the idea. He was a student at MIT and he was trying to get documents and there was something left at a lab and he's like, screw this. Why don't I just create something that puts it up in the cloud? It started off with very much a consumer focus and that's what he built. He built a beautiful, elegant, uh, transparent product, something that, that, that would attract the attention of a company like Apple, the extent to which it was so beautifully built out. The problem with it is from a business model perspective, what, what the product was and who he built it for himself and what they got all the praise f- from was not necessarily the path that would lead them down. Uh, well, it wouldn't, it didn't necessarily lead them down a place where it would be easy to find what the right business model was. And they ended up, like you said, dilly dallying around in consumer land with things like carousel when they should have been focused elsewhere. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, Dropbox Carousel came out in 2014, but sort of by, you know, which was a, a photo and, and and video management app. But by definition, the development of that product was happening before then, you know, mm. 2012, 2013. You know, I would say probably 2012 was, was when it kicked off. And the the problem is that there, there was no, like, what... <laughs> I mentioned product market fit. I almost the way I put it in the daily update is actually more like product usage fit. Like there, mm. they, they, there was a need and they were filling that need, but it almost feels like for a, a product to have product market fit, that entails it also has a business model. Yeah, and that's always been the Dropbox problem: is what is the business model here? And, and because you're right, it has always been a very consumer focused company. But this is why you know again, this is a space that it's all, I've always been very very intrigued in. And I wrote an article in uh, I think it was twenty four. 14 called Battle of the Box, where basically I w- it was comparing Dropbox and Box. And mm-hmm. my sort of takeaway there, Dropbox had just been valued at, at $10 billion. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Box, I think, was $2 billion. And my argument was like, if you had $10 million, I would actually rather put it in Box than in, than in Dropbox. Again, relative to valuation. And the reason is because Box actually has a viable business model. The, the problem with consumers is consumers, you know, they, they need to be convinced that their data is worth paying for. Businesses know their data is worth paying for, right? Business, consumers are, are kind of, they don't even back up their hard Fickle. drives, right? right? Yeah. Well, they're just lazy about it. There's lots of free options. Like you can use, like whether it be Google Drive or, or whatever Microsoft products or Amazon had a product. And again, businesses are going to pay. Like they're, 
no business is going to use a free product for for like that. It's one, the terms and conditions likely mm-hmm. limited for one thing. Two, it'd be abjectly stupid, and mm-hmm. it just, it's not going to happen. Consumer three, consumers are hard to market to. Like you know, and if anything, this is where Dropbox was actually really effective, especially when they had the sort of sharing links and shared oh, folders. Yeah. It introduced a sort of network effect and virality to the product that was incredibly powerful, and lots of people almost you know signed up because to work on a school project or or a personal project or whatever it might be. But that was like a – it's still a bit of an edge case, right? Are, are you going to – are consumers going to pay extra so they can then use Dropbox Paper, like a collaboration app? And that's much more of a business thing, right? We have people mm-hmm. that are going to work together and use a thing. And, and then to build a platform, well – to building a platform, who's going to sit on top of it, and and where's the where is the money going to come from to fund that? Especially when you have free advertising based alternatives, and you look at all these sorts of things. And for this space, no matter how great Dropbox was, and no matter how good of a consumer experience it was, that business model part was just it, it was it was missing. It wasn't there. And I think that the company, because so many people were using it, it was easy to put off mm. the need to figure this out. Whereas mm-hmm. if not many people were using it, then then maybe they would have had to also sort of figure it out. In this case, like the fact that Dropbox kind of kicked Box's rear end in terms of consumers was almost a, one of the best things that happened to Box yeah. because like Box pivoted very Box started consumer, but they pivoted with like a year or two to being focused on enterprise and like and that actually in some respects put them in in better shape because they they could develop the product and the business model it, it, together at the same time. It's funny how that sometimes happens. You think you're, you think you're losing and sometimes it like, or, or, or conversely, you think you're winning and you end up winning something that you wish you hadn't won. I, uh, I, I, I do, rem- I do want to say though, on the subject of those viral invitations, the thickness of the incentive and the way in which they gave you extra storage for, uh, as you referred other people was absolutely ingenious. It wasn't just, it wasn't just, uh, uh, getting uh, getting other people to sign up. Like there was something in it for the person you referred. There was something in it for you. And even now when I think about doing marketing stuff, like having that thickness of incentive where it's easy to ask someone to join because yeah, you're getting something out of it, but they're also getting something out of it as opposed to referring someone and you're getting this this sweetener and they're missing out. The other thing that I'd say is like, it, it's funny how at the time when all these companies were exploding, there were people that were just seeing the explosion of usage and like, oh, we'll figure out the business model later to wit Facebook and Twitter and, and Dropbox and all these things got sucked along with it. And some of those, there are instances where you just want usage and the business model gets figured out. But typically, uh, you can't just, I mean, and if there's something uh people listening to this podcast, I hope will take away, you can't just assume that is going to happen. At the same time, though, uh, I I won my bet. Dropbox, I, or sorry, I, I won my sort of bet in that article. In that that mm. ten million dollars invested in Box, Box now has a two point five billion dollar market cap after mm. plunging <laughs> by twenty three percent yesterday. Mm. They were over three billion before yesterday when they when they when they missed on their forecasts. But even with that huge miss, twenty three percent down, uh, I'm still up on my on, on my sort of bet. But at the same time, it's still only a two point five billion market cap, and Dropbox is is going to IPO, and I, I think they will get their ten billion mark, which is the last valuation. The question is whether they hit it or not, at least after the first day. And so, at the end of the day, 
for everything we just said and and complimenting Box in that regard, Dropbox mm. is still a vastly more valuable company and by you know by three to four x uh, whenever whenever the IPO pricing is determined, and so. I, I think I might want to push back on that a little bit. And the reason it's valuable is because it has 500 million users. And even though of those 500 million users, only 2% are mm. paying, like a small percent of a very large number is still it's a so very large number. And that's fair. I mean, I, I should have, I actually should have called you when you said they didn't have a viable business model because they do. They are, they're, they're doing pretty well. I think the frustration, I mean, there are two aspects to it. One is the point in time when you were making that comparison and the extent to which growth has now flattened off for Dropbox and effectively has for some year. That 10 billion round was quite some time ago. And now yeah, they're the going growth, to- growth and valuation to be clear. Their, their revenue is, yeah. is growing. Right. Yes. So, so that 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 part is flat. But I think the broader part is the is the element of the conversation is that we had earlier on, which is because they were focused on the product without the business model, so much potential got missed, and they were like when you don't have those two things in sync you end up building the wrong thing and you get all this great product or usage feedback as you get, as you described earlier on, but you fail to get the the business model feedback of all the money that enables you to do more things and, and it, you build that flywheel. And compared, given the elegance of the solution that they produced and the potential of the company and so so many things that I love about it. Like it's a shame that they didn't realize that because there was a point in time where they were, where they could have gone in so many different directions and they would be in a very different situation to where they are right now. That's exactly right. It, it, like let's be clear, uh, Drew Houston and team built a $10 billion company. It's incredibly yeah. impressive. It is a huge success and to a point like they were right to turn down Apple and they they did something that was, that was better and greater. So uh, I think we should should, we should reiterate Indeed. that point, and we can say it. You know, was happy to say it multiple times. I, I think the the frustration that we both feel is the sense that it could have been more. Like it, mm. like it you know, you had this. You go back to circa 2011, 2012. You have this company mm. that is, from a user experience perspective, is so far ahead of the co- competitors, and they and they do have that sort of customer acquisition flywheel working, where mm-hmm. they are getting more users by being a better product, and they are recommending more users, and 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 it's getting. You know, they're they're spinning up spinning up and and the and what happened like nothing and then nothing happened like the, the company just kind of was stagnant for so long it wasn't clear what they were doing and suddenly they pop out with this all these new consumer products and it's mm-hmm. like uh, like how much time was spent like if they had and now today they are a business product like they are they again they have lots of i think limitations in their business offering still that comes from their their origin as a consumer product like mm-hmm. it's much more difficult to administer and there's there's more limitations relative to say a product like box when it comes to large corporations but they are by and large making money from people at work who are paying paying for the product and they and they have you know more and more sort of you know business focused products and and, and like again it's going to be it's a, it's a it's a successful company and the beauty of the model is that you know, once people are there, they're less likely to switch away. Like the, all their files there, all that it is there. And yes, they could just drag it from their folder. But that's that, that. Like people get in their habits; they get used to doing what they do. And you get these subscription fees. It's almost like an annuity; it just keeps paying off mm-hmm. over time and paying off. And and there's an there's a scenario here where Dropbox is. You know their their revenue. I think it's it's by and large safe to view it as a baseline, not like it's going to suddenly sort of go away. That's it's the beauty of this of this of this business model. But if you think back, like what if five years ago they had committed and I wrote this at the time, like I really wanted them to, 
commit to being, you know, uh, an area I'm very passionate about in general is enabling sort of the small and medium-sized businesses of the future. Mm. Like not the big startups, not the big enterprises, but the sort of new kind of companies that are coming along that will create the economy of the future. And that's why I'm so excited about companies like Stripe. Why I'm excited about companies like Square or, or Shopify or, or these these companies that provide the infrastructure for people who are not technical at all to build businesses that are uniquely enabled by the internet, right? And I felt what I want, what I always wanted Dropbox to do, and the reason why, maybe it's a little personal, I'm just disappointed, is I feel like they could be sort of the the IT department for small and medium-sized businesses. Mm. Like, like because they bought Mailbox at the time. Like, oh, are they going to do a full email offering? Are they going to, like, imagine if you could have everything where, Yes, you could go up with Microsoft or Office, but you know what? What's easy to use? What's what's super consumer focused? It's consumer user experience. The the self pay. There's no sales force. There's no whatever. Mm-hmm. You walk up and pay for what you need, and we take care of all the stuff for you and sync it all together and and provide that sort of u- consumer type experience, but with a you know small business yeah. business model and. And I feel like that's what they could have been, and it's what they are. But it's just storage. Like I would have, I would yeah. have loved to see all that time spent on carousel and whatnot expanded into more small and medium business. But that requ- that required a sort of change in mindset that just didn't happen until it was too late. The company that's coming to mind as we talk about this for me is actually also Slack, and there are many similarities between Dropbox and Slack. Um, the the uh, the the fantastic customer experience, like the ease with which you download and get up and running straight away. You can do it without the blessing of an IT department. And then you get in, uh, like for big enterprises, for example, you can kind of get installed or uh, like you have these groups that just kind of go rogue. They start having an install base inside of the enterprise. And then you go in and say, oh, look at all these people in the enterprise doing this. The problem that I guess, Dropbox has is that Box moved more thoroughly into that space, whereas Slack has less competition. Though I, I, I also can't help but wonder whether this isn't a little bit of a, a warning for Slack. Maybe they, maybe they are doing a better job of adding on, uh, adding on those enterprise features that people are demanding, having started at this very consumer-friendly, almost consumer. Uh, consumer model in the enterprise but but there's there's definitely some there's definitely a learning here in terms of what the issues that Dropbox have had with an enterprise competitor that's moved in and built more of those enterprise features before they were able to I did this sort of comparison in the article this week where I compared the the way I analyzed Dropbox was by comparing it first to Box, then to Atlassian, and then to Slack. And I think you kind of you kind of just touched on all of them and what what's interesting about it. So the difference with Box is really that Box, you know, married the business model and, and the product at a very sort of early stage. And mm. you know, the thing about Box is Box is interesting because it, it almost feels like Box is the the box is a bit of an antique in ways in that they are the old school, like we're going to have a sales force. So mm. They have responsible geographies, different sectors. They're going to wine and dine the CTO. We're going to come in mm-hmm. where you get a big contract. Right. And that's, and that's the model. And that's why they had so many huge losses because all the, all that sales costs is, is, 
way in front of the actual realization yeah. of the money. And it's even worse in SaaS because in SaaS, you, they're paying a monthly fee, a monthly subscription fee. It's not like you're doing like an Oracle installation. You're getting a huge upfront payment or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Like there's it, it, it's, it's all spread out. And so that's why Box had such crazy bad numbers on the surface. I was actually, even in their original S1, I'm like, this company actually looks a lot better than it is. And, and they what they did when they refiled their, their S1, because they waited a year because there was such a sort of a bad response to it. And the markets weren't great. Was they did a really good job of laying out on a cohort sort of basis how it is they make money, and that they mm. lose this huge amount of money at the beginning, and then but then over time that cohort not only do they do they make money over time, they also increase the amount of money they make per customer because they add on all these services and all these new you know, like boxes mm. all about these solutions, right? And they have a, a health solution, they have whatever. And what is a solution? A solution is basically taking the core product, adding on different modules to it, it different things. It's basically the same thing, but it, it's like customized to a particular use case. And this is like this goes hand in hand with the selling process, right? You have your how does your sales land the deal? It goes in there and says, oh, we can provide you exactly what you need, right? Oh, like this and because you in a situation when you're doing enterprise sales where the buyer and the user are two different people. And so mm-hmm. you want to get to the buyer. You want to convince this is something you should pay for. And then you have to make it work for the users at the other end. And that's it's it's very, very sort of old school how enterprise sales has always been done. And that's the box model, you know, and and whereas Dropbox is is very, very different. Dropbox is a consumer type product in that it has a you use it because it's great to use users dropbox thrives where users and buyers are the same sort of person and mm. and that's why it has a much stronger presence in small medium sized business than box ever will it, whereas box is stronger in, in the big sort of enterprises and part of it mm-hmm. gets all the way into the sort of the buying process and the all this stuff aligns all this stuff matters like the way that customers buy your products filters yeah. all the way back into how you develop the product itself. It just leaves uh, just leaves Dropbox without the ability to go up market and it's because I mean just because they've they've data storage, right? Like it's it's going to be hard for you to create that much of a differential for the user such that they're willing to go against their IT department for something like data storage. It's like, oh, okay, we have to use this box thing. And then people start coming down knocking, particularly given it is data storage, people will start coming down and knocking and like, why are you using Dropbox? And it's interesting to contrast that with Slack because there were communications tools that most enterprises provided um, before Slack came along. It's just that the difference in experience was so great that that consumer model where people could kind of go rogue uh, in big enterprise, and obviously uh, I'm, I'm saying go rogue, it's super easy to download. You can just download it and get up and running. That works great for startups. But if you are inside an engineering team in a big organization, then this communication tool is infinitely better than than having to use email or or having to walk over to people's desks or whatever. You're going to go do it. And then it, it's just interesting that contrast between the two because of the difference in experience. I think Slack's been able to get away with it more. Well, I, maybe, but it also has to do with I think that I think Slack has executed better than Dropbox did, and, mm. and I mean, like I I do think there's reason to be concerned about Slack, but by and large, the issue with Dropbox is the it was a consumer product, which meant I mentioned kind of in passing, like mm. the sort of IT controls just weren't there, and and I got plenty of people this week telling me that they're still not there for lots of important mm-hmm. sort of use cases, and the and the reason like you're dealing with a company's data. Right at the mm-hmm. end of the day, there's certain there's, there's certain ground rules that if you're in any sort of enterprise that is large enough to have any sort of its own IT department, there's going to be various 
things you have to follow. Like, and Dropbox just didn't build that for way too long. And over the last yeah. few years, they have been building it. So I'm not, I'm not denigrating the practices today. But what if they had been building all that back in 2010, yeah, or in yeah, 2011, yeah, yeah. as opposed to building it in 2014 or 2015? That's the that's the whole issue here. Is yes, they build a fine business, and I think they can go up market more than they they have. And they will continue to do so. And again, your point about they sort of the backdoor in is, is a good one. When we when we get to that in a moment. But again, this gets just gets to the the timing and sort of the, the missed opportunity to I think mm-hmm. be more be more than what it is. And, I mean, they could have wiped out maybe they could have wiped out box or maybe they or other other products but yeah but again expanding to more than storage that's exactly the point like either either completely win storage up and down the market or use this as a basis to i mean it's the whole land and expand thing land and then get out there and do something as opposed to land and I mean, I guess they did try and expand like with Carousel and Mailbox as we talked about, but the expansion was just, it was, it was, it was wrong product place. and yeah, product and usage driven without reference to the business model. It was like invading Russia, right? I mean, like the consumer, <laughs> like, like, like don't invade Russia. Like that, that, that's yeah. war. General winter war. European, yeah, general winter European war is 101. You. Don't invade Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's, that's what they did. Like that—that yeah. that was carousel. Carousel was Russians inv- was Dropbox's invasion of Russia, and mm-hmm. and fortunately the company survived it. You know, I think it was a it was a grave error, and I do want to get into the Atlassian and more on the Slack person in mm-hmm. a moment. But I think the other thing that where this ties in here is being just storage. Is you know, the, a couple years ago, uh, I think in 2015, uh, Dropbox announced that they had moved off of AWS and they had moved to. They had moved to their own infrastructure. And I wrote about this at the time, and I revisited it this week. And one of the sort of narratives that came out of this S1 is, oh, my gosh, look at how Dropbox's margins are improving. It's amazing, et cetera, et cetera. And it certainly do. I mean, their, their margins went from 33% in 2015 to 54% in 2016. I mean, that's a pretty mm. that's a pretty big improvement. Impressive. And then went yeah. to 67% in 2017. It's not, quite, it's not quite the best view of it because that – that is also the same time that they were really ramping up the revenue. So if revenue is going up and costs are going down, but also even their price per user, their their price to serve a registered user, which again uh, is you have to sort of approximate because they didn't give you sort of users over time, uh, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll get to their their the lack of data in a moment. But regardless, it's clearly their their margins are getting better, I th- and I think that's to be expected. By definition, if you are running your service on AWS, and this goes for any company in a in a vacuum, leaving aside everything else. You're going. It's going to be cheaper to do it yourself. Like all things being equal, because at the end of the day, if you're Amazon, big, at scale. Well, yeah, at scale, sorry, you're asterisk. right. If you're at scale, which Dropbox is certainly at scale. If you're yeah. at Dropbox's scale, it's going to be cheaper because Amazon's profits coming from somewhere, right? I mean, yeah, you, right. better to keep that yourself. And so the issue is not, of course, that 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 saves them money. Uh, and the other thing, there's actually lots of reasons for Dropbox to have rolled their own infrastructure. So one is just the pure cost savings. Two, again, your point. Dropbox was at was at scale, so they're their uh, amount they pay for servers and, and infrastructure, all sort of stuff, it's going to be at least competitive, even if it's not so, so, sort of like Amazon level. And then also, I think Dropbox's usage is sort of like, they don't need the sort of like, oh, let's quickly scale up capacity, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they, it's so big, it's very predictable, the amount of, sort yeah. of resources that they need. So that advantage of sort of flexibility and scale, instant scalability is not when mm-hmm. they need it. And also, they're mostly storage, they're not compute. And, and, and so they can optimize everything they do around their specific use case. So of course, rolling their own thing is cheaper. There's no question. I think where the narrative got a little out of hand this week is that in 2015, Dropbox was running both its (laughs) own infrastructure 
and also had all the data still in AWS. So they were basically paying for two sets of infrastructure. And then in 2016, they stopped using AWS except for a very small portion of, of their stuff. Guess what? If you go from running two sets of infrastructure <laughs> to only running one, your margins are going to improve. Uh, and it Really? Was, yeah, believe it or not, it's true. And then the other thing they did is that uh, in 2016 – they started weeding out all the users that had signed up mm. and weren't using the service anymore. And, and my calculations, again, th- they're very, very approximate, and I don't know if they can be trusted, is I think they've had about 300 million churned users, which that's a lot of people and files. And almost certainly their files are less than the people that use it regularly because th- mm. that would make sense. But that also, guess what? If you serve 500 million people instead of serving 800 million people, your margins are also going to increase. So I think th- the the issue here with the cost is for sure they're getting better costs than before. I'm not sure how much cheaper. I am concerned they didn't really give you enough data to really know for sure mm. how much they are saving. They're very happy that people write stories saying, oh, look at how much Drop Dropbox's infrastructure chain saved that money. When, Well, no, there's three things that save them money. Two of them are unrepeatable. Like They're not going to do that huge purge again, and they're not going to mm. deduplicate again. They mm-hmm. are going to keep running their infrastructure, but how much was that actually worth? We have no idea, and it kind of bothers me that we don't know. It's, um, And I'm sure this is something that's going to come up later on in the podcast, but this notion that they only give you the data that tells you the story that they want you to to see as opposed to giving you what would be useful to be able to understand. And the the, the way they reported users, for example, was users added and obvious as opposed to total users or some measure of churn or anything like that. And when you're doing purges on the order of what they did, obviously having huge drop-offs like that, uh, mm, that starts to cause people to ask questions around around these things like around the margins you had to go digging to be able to see that and well no to be clear the literally the only way i got it was by seeing it they included a graph of signups in their uh-huh. in their S one, and we know that in March twenty sixteen they had five hundred million signups, and then today they said they had five hundred million users. So if you look at that graph, and you, I literally measured the pixels between points on that graph, and <laughs> and, and and I knew where five hundred million was, and I tried to sort of approximate where it is. That's how I came up with the three hundred million number. Which, by the way, this could be totally wrong. Because mm. if that image got like squeezed, like the the proportions got screwed up, it's wrong. If that image is inaccurate, it's wrong. Like I mean, but like why? What are you hiding, Dropbox? Why aren't you giving yeah. me actual usable data about how many users you have? We have no data on churn. We don't know how many people actually use it and then drop off. We we can the average the numbers we do have, like average revenue per user, like is is flat. They're not increasing. Like there's lots of uh, the the lack of data is is very sort of disconcerting from my perspective because you have this business model again where you have this viral loop and people sign up and people self-serve and and but we can't actually figure out how much it costs to acquire customers so we don't know how much they're actually paying per customer to service them. I mean, there potentially is really a great story to tell here and the fact that you're not telling it to the degree that you could if you gave us more numbers makes me question the story. It reminds me a little bit in terms of S1s. Uh, it's reminding me a little bit of what happened with Snap. And it seems to be this is the new way of going to the public markets. It's like we're just going to give you the data that we want that confirms the story we're telling you. And you're going to have to dig hard. And maybe you're going to be able to reverse engineer things like what you did with the chart for Dropbox. Uh, but it's 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 concerning. The bigger concern with the storage thing. So I think the reason I, I jumped to that storage is you kind of mentioned 
branch, you know, if you're going to be just a storage company. Well, the problem is if you're going to be just a storage company, then by definition, not running your own storage infrastructure, you're going to be at an eternal disadvantage against a company yeah, of like, course. Like, like Amazon, by definition, because you're, you're giving – you can never be the low-cost provider, right? Uh-huh. It, it, you don't want to be – Offering a commodity and not be the low cost provider, like that's that's a great way to mm-hmm. go out of business. Uh, and so the and so there's an aspect if they're just going to be a storage company, then okay, then do the infrastructure. But all that time, and this is sort of the it's all the same objections I have to Dropbox. Why that I find it so frustrating? They said it took two and a half years to build out that that infrastructure. What could they have been doing in that two and a half years mm. to increase the top line to expand the business? Well, well, you know, one thing they were doing was building Carousel, but again, that was, mm-hmm. it was like they were. They were building like a. Uh, they were, they were fortifying building, that position. They were building a navy while invading Russia. I mean, like there's, like they're, like maybe building a navy is a good idea, but like there's a there's such a total sort of disconnect going on here. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a navy in terms of carousel, and then in terms of like focusing on. No, 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 invading, we gotta, we gotta keep our, we gotta keep our analogy, our bad analogy clear. Invading okay. Russia is carousel. Invading Russia is trying to get consumers yeah. to pay for storage. So, right. it, it, like, it's like a fruitless endeavor. So that, that is the, I mean, yes, you might, you might make some inroads, but at, at the end of the day, you're gonna, your supply lines are gonna be exhausted and your troops are gonna be starving and they're gonna get slaughtered in Stalingrad. So, uh, right. at the end, <laughs> And and then in the in the meantime, like the decision to focus on building out your own storage infrastructure is fortifying where you landed. And uh, if if you have made the decision that all you want to do is land and that's it, great, makes sense. Like you said, you don't want to be anything other than the lowest cost provider in a commodity business. But if you're landing and you're just fortifying, it means you're not expanding. And this goes back to a conversation that we had around Apple not so long ago. It's like this notion that it's either get busy living and expand and take new markets or get busy dying. And you'll you'll find that there will be people that will encroach on you or, or, or build on things further up the stack that will make you less and less relevant. See, but, but the, my whole point with Apple, though, is I actually think Apple is very strategically cogent. I think what Apple is doing in sort of doubling down on their user base and selling them more devices, selling them higher price devices, you increasing services revenue, I think mm-hmm. it makes a ton of sense because realistically, Apple is so big and they're market is so expansive that where else are they going to go? Like, I think what they're doing makes a ton of sense. So I, again, I wrote that article very much being sort of in defense of Apple. I think though that points to the Christian Dropbox. I kind of feel we've been all over the place in this podcast because mm. Dropbox has been all over the place, like at the exact same time. So, so again, start out, they have this great user experience running at AWS. You can go in two directions. One, you can say we're going to own storage, mm. which means we have to be cost competitive with a company like AWS or Google or whoever it might be. Uh-huh. In which case, you go out and you build your own infrastructure and you make sure you have a cost competitive advantage. Which I think they they probably could have done. And and you say we're going to own storage. We're going to be competitive on costs and we're going to have a superior user experience. And that's how we're going to win. Mm-hmm. Cogent strategy. Or yep. you can say, you know what? We are going to be differentiated. We're going to win on differentiation, and we're going to win consumers, and we're, and we're going to get that space, and we're going to build carousel, whatever it might be. And and you know what you don't do? You don't go fix your storage because you're going for the top line. Like You have to choose, especially when you're a startup. Mm. Are you going to win on the top line, or are you going to win on the bottom line? And Dropbox, at the same time, tried to do both. 
Yeah, I, and and I mean, in comparison to Apple, if you view that they're getting more getting more money out of existing users is another way of focusing on territory already under control. It you're right. It does make a lot more sense to do that when you have the amount of territory that Apple has versus the amount that Dropbox had just with storage. Right, and again, this is I guess this is my frustration. Like, we got the question. I, I keep coming back into it. Like, does strategy matter, or like, do these companies think uh-huh. about strategy? And I think this is a great example where strategy does matter. And this company didn't think enough about it. I mean, like, you you have to figure out. They they started out again, and I think this is where having that killer product on day one yeah. is 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 such a challenge because you're not forced to figure it out. Like, they roll this product. It's amazing it has this viral component it's useful it spreads like crazy and it's very easy to feel like everything is okay and everything's going great and you don't realize that your business model is not coming along and you're you have some major long-term decisions about where you're going what markets are you going to serve business or enterprise if you go business which business markets again this is the atlassian point where, where dropbox is similar to atlassian and it's very impressive that like dropbox talk about they, they have a pretty big sales force. Dropbox actually spends as much on sales as Boxes does, but they're almost the entire point of their sales force is to is to find where where people signed up for Dropbox and then basically upsell their organization. So they'll go to the company and say, mm. did you know you have like 30 teams using Dropbox? You should probably just use a whole business-wide plan and have greater oversight and view and all this sort of stuff. Like that's how their sales process works. It's not the sort of like box like, I'm, let's go play golf and I'm going to tell you why you need a storage solution sort of, sort of, <laughs> a, sort of approach. And, and that's great. Like that's the sort of where I said box was the old school model. Dropbox mm-hmm. is the future. And again, Atlassian is really the killer example here where – it's all self-serve. It's all a single price. Like you walk up, you know what you're getting. You either get it or you don't. It's relatively cheap. And and they spend all their vast, you know, much more money on R&D they do in sales and marketing. And their sales and marketing at Atlassian, all they do is is recover turned accounts. It's like, oh, your account's about to expire. Like what's going on here? Like can we figure out what's going on? Like it's, it's even more sort of pure responsive than Dropbox's is. And – that's that's amazing. Like that's uniquely enabled by the internet. Slack is the same thing, where you can mm-hmm. have a product that comes in bottoms up through an organization, where teams can sign up. You can use the team credit card or whatever. You can sign up for the. You can try it out, see if it works, and then you get internal evangelists who are people using the product. And it's particularly powerful to company like Slack or or Dropbox, where you have a viral component and start spreading within the organization, and you can take over an organization from the bottom up without this huge expenditure on sales. Again, it's it's a perfect model for SaaS in particular where it, it matches up the revenue much better than a, a, an upfront sales force, right? Drop, like Box was trying to take the old world sales technique to a new world revenue model and almost died getting out the door because there was such a mismatch. Whereas these other companies are, are matched up much better. Sorry, there's a huge digression to like, so Dropbox kind of ended up in the right place. They do have that model, they the sort of bottoms up model. But again, it's just their their territory they control and their opportunities for expansion are just so much more limited than they might have been had they figured that out five years previously. Yeah, here's another way of thinking about it. When you in B2B enterprise SaaS, one of the one of the most challenging things is or SaaS in general is to create a space. It's like where a product didn't exist to create a space and then you can make an assessment of how big how much that space is worth and you can try and capture as much of it as you possibly as you possibly can and in terms of creating the space and then capturing that amount like the total addressable market that Dropbox has been chasing basically didn't move an iota or it's only moved marginally 
in the entire time the company's been in existence. They, they and they had so much opportunity to go in so many different directions. Yeah, well, I, I, would say, grad- I, would, I would say it has shrunk. I mean, you have you have a company like Microsoft coming along offering huge yeah. amounts of storage with Office 365, and Google's offering a huge amount of storage. And right. are they as good to use as Dropbox? I don't think so. I, like I, I've tried all of them, uh, and I, I have all of them. But uh, on the margins, like like the differences are ever smaller. And you have companies that again, because Dropbox is a single feature. Uh, it's not to use Steve Jobs' words, but yeah, they don't right. have email. They don't have all those other sorts of things. So you're already paying for Office 365 or you're already paying for Google Apps, uh-huh. which, by the way, have storage. So now the the proposition for Dropbox is not just that are you going to have a storage solution. It's right. are, are you going to it pay has- for two of them and only use one? Yeah, is it is it in the in the same way that Slack had to be or Atlassian had to be that much better than email to get people to buy another communications tool? Is Dropbox as a storage solution going to be that much better than the alternatives that people are going to go to the trouble and getting get, uh, of getting it? And probably not. And that's the thing. The frustrating thing is like they were on the path to they had an opportunity. Like it was growing so quickly, they staked out the spot and they could have gone in so many other directions and that growth helps them cement what they already have and then start to build other things and encroach on other people's territory and instead they've stood still and and, and let people encroach on theirs. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, to be fair, uh, they, they probably will succeed. And again, this is a $10 billion company that has, you know, a, a working revenue model that is growing. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is succeeding. Well, yeah, yeah, right. It just, it, again, it's the degree of success. But I think that gets to right. sort of a core problem that I've always felt about Dropbox is it's such a brilliantly engineered product. Like, and it's yeah. always works so well. But you, if you think back to all the stuff they've done, they keep applying a superior product approach to all their problems. And it's like, well, we could design a better infrastructure. So let's go out and build it. We could design a better photo app. Let's go out and build it. And there's been too much – in some respects, they're being so good at products is what got them where they are. Mm. But there's a sense where building a better product has become the hammer and everything else is, is, has therefore become nails. Let's solve our problems yeah. by building something. Whereas what was actually needed, I think, for Dropbox – and this is five, six years ago when, when all these decisions really mattered – was not product expertise. It was – business model and like strategy mm-hmm. expertise. It's like thinking about where are we going? What what's the destination? Not about product like and then let's evolve the product and build the product that will get us there. Instead it was just let's build products. And again, that can get you far. It can get you to a ten billion dollar company. I think it limits how far you could ultimately go. And I think that's that ultimately is the story of Rockbox. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the frustration we both have. It would be easy to think that we were talking about a failing company. And again, right, right, to exactly. reiterate what we, you, we've what come you across said. that. Yeah, we've come across that a, a, a lot. Like, no, this is a – by any measure, it's a massive success. I mean, yeah. Drew Houston and team, again, built a $10 billion company, and they deserve all the kudos in the world. It's just like, it's, oh, this product was so good. And and yeah. the, 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 the part that it owned, like your files, like that is the essence of a business is its data, right? They own that, and they had the great user experience. They had the outlines of the great business model, the viral bot model, and the self serve model that can scale incredibly. And uh, it, like it's more a this is a great example we talk about all the time. Opportunity wasted, yeah, and and wasted potential. I think that's where we're coming at it from. There was so much potential, and I like lots of other folks want to root for companies like this and this is why I think we're being harsh on them is because they're so good at product and so good at design, and it was so transparent, but. 
I, I, like, and having a belief in the importance of those things is great, but you don't want that to get too far out in front of like the strategy and the business side. I'm not like you can have a belief in business first and strategy first, and then make sure you follow up with product, or you can have a belief in product first. You can, there are many different ways to build a great company, but what gets you in trouble is when you you spike in one way and then you leave the business side behind altogether. Almost like I wonder if there's almost a level of disdain inside of Dropbox for the business side of things, and that's kind of what's landed them in this position. Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into analyzing, to psychoanalyzing. Oh, uh, no, I, that's I, fair. Yeah, and I think I, I would say in general, I think this is a a trap that it's easy for tech companies to fall into mm. in general, just in part because technology is how they get where they are. It's how they are successful. Uh, the founders are by and large technologists first and foremost, uh-huh. and. And, you know, in a lot of times, even the companies that succeed, they succeed by virtue of just being in the right place in the right market at the right time. I mean, we, I, we've discussed in the context of Uber. I mean, like the the company, in my estimation, from a strategic perspective, was horribly, was terribly mismanaged. I think Uber made so many decisions that were bad strategically, but that didn't prevent them from being a, you know, however much they're worth now, 40 to $70 billion company because mm. they had the right product in the right market at the right time. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, yeah, look at us course. and our theories and our business models. Yeah. Yeah. and whatnot and and if you had only listened to us well guess what uh <laughs> listening to us uh and re- recording a podcast doesn't get you anywhere close to 10 yeah. billion dollars <laughs> like i can attest that like I, I have a nice lifestyle i don't have a 10 billion dollar lifestyle I can, t- I can tell you that no, that's true i mean i i think actually though one other thing that i want to pick up on that's interesting is another company that came to mind when when looking at dropbox's s1 was actually uber and that is i think there's now starting to emerge a trend among these unicorns that kind of came of age around the 2010 period where they stay in the private markets all the way up until the point at which uh they like their valuation isn't going to keep increasing in the private markets anymore and that is now the signal that okay guys it's time to go public and that is very different from how it was in the past where a big part of uh what would happen with companies is they would go public and there would be lots of upside still left, lots of growth still left in terms of market cap. Whereas now it's starting to feel like you don't want to be the last investors in one of these unicorns before they IPO or you do your money. That's exactly, yeah, and that's the case of Dropbox. Everyone who invested in that last round in 2015 or whatever at $10 million valuation, like they they have they, they have effectively lost money. Like even if it goes out at $10 billion, that money has been sitting doing nothing for three years. And when they could have put mm. in the stock market and made a, a vastly a vastly better return. It's a great point. And I do think by and large, I, I am very much against this delaying IPO approach. I think it's a mistake. And I I get all the ideas that being a public company is a pain in the rear end, investor pressure, and I want a view for the long term. Well, guess what working for the long term did for Dropbox? Let them dilly-dally and not actually mm-hmm. figure out their business, right? Like there is value in and if you go out there, and, and Jeff Bezos says again and again, and again, to use Amazon is kind of like using Apple. It's like you can't use the most extreme <laughs> example. Uh-huh, but if you right. go out and you have a plan and you can demonstrate that you're executing against that plan, you can and will get leeway from the market. And, and these companies are going out with having been lazy, fat and lazy mm-hmm. and lived off all this VC firms and fast user growth, and they never actually built a business. I mean, that's, that, that, that is Snap. Snap never actually built a business. And it was fine product. And guess what? You get out there and you have no choice but to go public because you can't raise more money or because mm-hmm. and Snap could raise more money. But I haven't just wanted to go public because it was a cool thing to do, I guess. Uh, and you're, you're, you're naked. 
you're like you're you are just utterly exposed and it ends up being bad for you it being bad bad for for people selling your stock it's bad for your employees it's terrible for your employees kills morale because they all they, they weren't able to sell it in private markets before they're stuck holding the bag and they can't sell for another six months after the, the posting and I, I hope this pendulum swings back. All those things that founders complain about public markets is you start seeing it again and exactly what those founders need. They need mm-hmm. the accountability. They need to get mm-hmm. out there and build a business model that makes sense and functions. And they need to do it sooner because the sooner you do it, the, the more you can do in the future, right? I mean, yeah. if, if you have the business model that works, that is what frees you to do something more and greater. And, and I think they, this timing is all messed up in people's heads. I mean, and, and not to diminish the difficulty with which it takes to scale a business, like the amount of work that goes into all the engineering and all the operations of a company like Dropbox and Uber and whatever is is huge. But there's also the hard work of like doing the kind of analysis and thinking about, are we expanding in the right way? Uh, are, are, like, are we, it, it, it's almost like an order of magnitude harder, like asking the hard questions. Are we doing like, once you have the model of, we'll just keep doing it. We'll work long hours and we'll get these things done. But there's a different kind of hard work of asking the questions and being critical about the business and the model that you're taking. And staying private longer insulates you from that. And that is, it's 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 a form of laziness like what you described. Yeah, I mean, it, we kind of talked about this in broader terms and societal terms like previously. Like if you, if you never have any sort of accountability or any sort of responsibility, mm. it's just human nature to, to not reach your potential. And again, right. it's not to say that people should be forced to like, like do work to survive, to like get food or, or health insurance, like we talked about previously. But there is an aspect where, you know what? Like I, I mentioned it previously, I love my job. At the end of the day, I have to, I, I have to get a day left out every day, whether I feel like it or not. And there is value in that. Like there is value in like, you have to do your best work because mm, you put your ass on the line, right? Yeah. And, and, and you see this with these, I mean, these, these companies that I think to, were able to stay private for so long and they're coming out flabby and 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 not reaching their potential and you see dropbox like i think this is a this could have been you put like basketball terms right this could have been an all-time great hall of fame company instead it's going to be a they're going to make the nba they're going to have a fine career and it's never going to have been what it could have been and and once you're already in the nba like it's too late like you can't put in the hours of training and practice that you needed to do in high school and college like those, those years are gone I normally get scared when you take it into sports analogies. Like, well, actually, that's not true. I normally get scared when you take it into basketball or NBA analogies because <laughs> you normally completely lose me. But I'm with you 100% on that one. Yeah. And again, like, <laughs> we've been a little rough on Dropbox here. We should say, we should have put this at the beginning. Maybe I'll just go back and edit this in. Like, it's mm. amazing building a $10 million company that, that, is a great product that makes people's lives better, that helps those sort of small, medium-sized businesses in a way that I talked about before, enables things, enables creativity. When I was working with a bunch of design firms at a previous role at Microsoft, like we we lived in Dropbox. Like it was just, mm. it, it was a great product that does what it says in the tin and does a great job at it. And they deserve all the credit in the world and they deserve every success that that has come to them and will hopefully continue to come to them. And so we should we should have probably been more upfront about that. Uh, it's just like <laughs> for, for for a product that I love from day one, that I felt like I saw the potential from from day one, that I wrote about from the early stages of Techery, There's just a tinge of sort of like bittersweetness here. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, the business guy always says, if you had listened to me, you would, you, you would have done better. And, <laughs> and the technical guy is like, well, how about you come build it? And then I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm going to yeah. step out and get a drink of water. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I, I've got an MBA and I'm here to help, right? Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I have the same reaction. Like, and I think about like a couple of the pro- the creative projects that I've worked on, the small ones that I'm proud of, like this podcast and like the book that I co-authored and relied on Dropbox. Like, we didn't have a technical team. We we are the technical team, and Dropbox is enabled in part like both of those projects to happen and again i am very fond of the company and that's part of the reason like you that i'm so rough on it it's just like yeah it's it's the tinge of the tinge of like uh, like what this could have been is is and 10 billion like you said is a phenomenal outcome by anyone's standards it's just it could have been a lot more i think yeah what it could have been and also i really wish the rest one had been a little more forthcoming with the data it like it, yeah. it, it just the, from the beginning i tried to put on my mind and like an a- analyze this as clearly as i could but i kind of mentioned the daily update like it just makes me nervous like it, it like it, you have the all the pieces to tell a great story so why aren't you fully telling the story um again uh, it, that's just like a feeling it's really hard to like I, I don't know that i would invest on that feeling but it certainly does make me you know it's it, it, it's really easy to take this S1 and write this really shining analysis of what an amazing company and, and fantastic, which some people did. And I think that uh, there's it's more – I can see the great company here. I can see how it works. Maybe not what I wanted to be, but still a great company. But boy, I'd be a little – I really like more data. I like a little – which ironically enough, I like more data. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> All right, our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponents as they do every week. Again, go to WordPress.com slash Exponent to get 15% off your order. And I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, mate. Have a good one. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye.